shepherding, we focused on just looking at the Father. What, who is He? How, how does He uh, relate with us? And now, in February, we're really focusing on our response as sons and daughters. And so, um, we, we want to talk today about what it means to be a son and a daughter. And um, we, uh, I've, we have a friend that uh, had a, a child that, um, uh, he was actually 10 years old. I'm getting my story straightened out exactly. 10 years old and um, had a little girlfriend and really wanted to do something nice for his girlfriend. And, and usually around Valentine's Day, what do good boyfriends or husbands do? They give little gifts, Right. I'll give a little gift. So this 10-year-old who was really excited about his girlfriend thought, I'm going to give my girlfriend a gift. So unbeknownst to anyone else, the 10-year-old walks into his mother's room, into his mother's jewelry area. It's like a store, I think, for him, and starts looking Hmm, what would be good for my little girlfriend? And happens to choose a pearl necklace that was not fake. <clears throat> it was real and expensive. And took the um, pearl necklace, nobody knows about this except for the boy, takes the necklace and gives it to his girlfriend for Valentine's Day, 10 years old. Isn't that sweet? That's good until mom finds out that the pearl necklace is gone. Where's the pearl necklace? Some rumor, you know, heard from some of the other kids that might have been doing this and so finds out, okay, kind of trying to bring the story out of the child a little bit and uh, obviously freaking out a little bit. Where, you know, where, where do these uh, pearls go that I uh, value so highly? And finding out that it's been given <laughs> to this little girl. And um, so working through that process with uh, her son, you know, got, they got to the point where she was like, hey, if you would have come and talked to me about this, I would have actually helped you to get something for her that would be appropriate and not, not of this great value. So, um, so that's what she actually did. I mean, they, they ended up giving the pearls back. That's good. And, um, and he actually, she actually took her son into the, her jewelry area and, and said, okay, let's find something that would be good for your girlfriend. So, all that to say, looking at the way that the father works, wants to work with us in our mistakes, think about like how the kid must have felt. Like, uh, this is not good. I just got caught. I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, this isn't good. And, and, and the end result was the mother brought the son alongside and said, let's do this together. Let's figure this out together. And so it's such a great picture of how God the Father, even in our mistakes and our silliness, wants to bring us alongside of him and show us a better way. He wants to, he wants a, he wants to partner with us. He wants to be in relationship with us as we make decisions and as we do things. And how much easier, how much less kind of hardship and difficulty would it have been if the, if the boy just had gone, hey mom, this is what I want to do. I'm excited about this thing, right? She could have brought him right along in the beginning. And that's how our father 
wants to relate with us as sons and daughters. He wants to invite us to go to Him in relationship. But before we just go off and do our own thing. How many of us go off and do our own thing? Me. So we're going to come back to... the come back to looking at the father a little bit but I, I, so i wanted to look at this inheritance piece so in uh in romans 8:16 and 17 paul talks about this he says uh, he says who we are in christ he says we're children of god and then he brings in this other piece that we're heirs of god and co-heirs with christ so everything that christ had all the inheritance that christ had we have and he said, if we indeed share in his sufferings, that we will also be glorified with him. So being a son or daughter means being an heir. Those two things are tied together. And I think that as we learn to be sons and daughters, we learn this inheritance that we have. You know, Christ paid for a lot for us on the cross. That sacrifice, all of a sudden, he opened up... Um, an inheritance to us that we have access to, but I don't think that we necessarily grab a hold of. So, um, all right, how many of you have actually received an inheritance, like a physical inheritance before? Raise your hands. All right, so the inheritance um, could be money, right? It could be monetary. It could be stuff things, and we remember those people, buy those things. It could be investments, maybe. Um, what, what do you do with the inheritance? What, what did you do with the inheritance that you got? So just, this is group participation time. Bought a house. Bought a house. Love it. What? The down payment for a house. Awesome. So you bought something that you needed or wanted, right? What else? What did you do with the inheritance that you got? Gave some Gave some away. Love it. Exactly. All right. What else? I'm wearing it. You're wearing it. Awesome. <laughs> so you bought something that you desired, right? You got something? No. Oh, the actual ring. That's beautiful. All right. So I, I really believe that it's the same way for us in a spiritual sense. That we have an inheritance that, that as sons and daughters we can grab a hold of. And what are we going to do? What's that? She put it on. Yes, yeah, she put on the inheritance. She's using it. God, so God gives us this inheritance to give it away. Like, like the fruits of the Spirit. How many of us just want a little bit of peace in our lives? <laughs> Please, I'll take some peace. Just something. Just settle this craziness of my life. That's part of our inheritance is peace. And you know what? We can actually help to give that away as well. Because the atmosphere that we carry, we can pass that on. How many of us want just joy? Like, let's, I just want to be joyful. I just want to not, just be free to be joyful. You know? And like, that's part of our inheritance. You look at the fruits of the Spirit. You know? That's all part of our inheritance in, in, as sons and daughters. And so, um, we have, with this inheritance, we can give it away. We receive it. We can receive things that we desire. That's all part of the inheritance. So Galatians 4, 5 through 7, ties it all together. This is in the message. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted. We're talking about being an heir or an orphan. So orphans are adopted in the kingdom. So we can tell that you are fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. 
Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave, but you're a child? And if you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. Love it. Just ties it all together. So receiving our inheritance comes by knowing our position as sons and daughters. All right, so then that begs the question, how do I become a son or daughter? How do I engage with that? How do I take a step into that? Right? In some ways, I think we're, we, are, we have areas of our life where we are sons and daughters, and we have areas of our life where we continue to think like an orphan. All right, so the first, I've got two main things. The first one is just stop acting like an orphan. <laughs> just stop it. So we've got these. Can you hand this out? So, so Cameron handed these out last or a few weeks ago. Um, on one side of it is the heart of an orphan, uh, and the other side is the heart of an heir. And um, it 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 just helps us. It's a good summary. Yeah, raise your hand if you want. It just helps us to kind of pinpoint. Here's the here's the place where I can relate. And I'm going to go through a couple examples in my life where I relate with some of these things as the heart of an orphan. And um, just as a summary, I mean big picture, an orphan lives in a constant state of fear. They're afraid of what people think of them. They're afraid of not having enough. They're afraid of punishment. They're afraid of being found out. Orphans never feel like they've got a home. There's a story of uh, a woman who um, actually was featured in Time Magazine. And this woman um, saw, was watching it on TV and saw this, this orphan. It was uh, some um, money-raising event for orphans in Africa. Actually saw an actual specific boy on the TV screen and had this heart connection immediately, it was totally God, and just went after finding that actual boy that was on the screen. And through a lot of work and effort and a series of crazy circumstances, actually found the boy that was um, on the screen and adopted the boy into uh, her, her house, into her home, at, to be a part of her family. And uh, she, uh, <clears throat> she, the f- I don't know, one of the first days that, that they were, um, you know, went and got, got the boy in Africa, brought her back to the U.S. One of the first days that um, the boy was back, um, she got up in the morning and found the boy cleaning the floors. And, and so the boy had a perception, I'm here to serve, like I'm here as a servant. And she, of course, as adopting him, right? Inviting him to be a part of the family. Inviting him um, that you're not here because of your labor or what you can do or your skills to do that. You're here because I want you as a part of our family. And so how can we not relate that to us, right? How many times do we feel like we just need to serve and do and almost we put ourselves in a position of a slave rather than in a position of a son. And I know that's true in my personal life. Um, I grew up, uh, my parents were great. They, they loved me because I loved to follow the rules. No, they loved me. They actually just loved me, but I did like to follow the rules. I wanted to know what the rules were. And so then I'd follow them and then they'd be happy with me. (laughs) And so like, this thing got built in me where, you know, nothing to do with my parents at all, but me, 
I responded in such a way where I just wanted to do the right thing, be good, follow the rules. But it was out of a desire to please and, and not out of desire of relationship. It wasn't out of relationship that I was doing that. It was out of a place of, it was kind of like, you know, manipulation. Like if I do good, then I will be loved. And so um, that is an area where I have had orphan thinking where I in my life have been an orphan. I've been focused on the rules, doing the right thing. Don't get me wrong. Doing the right thing is not a bad thing. <laughs> but the heart of it, right? I want my heart to be in relationship with God. To, to position myself not as a slave, but as a son. Because we want sonship in relationship. We want that, that love. And of course there's things to do. There's no question. But we err on the side of doing things and getting things done, not on the side of relationship, right? <clears throat> so another area where I have uh, had orphan thinking was in the way that I looked at myself. Uh, I looked very negatively at myself. How many of you can relate with that? Most of us probably at one time or another, another have thought negative things about ourselves, right? <clears throat> um, I always compared myself to others who seemed to be more superior to me. And I definitely didn't see myself how God sees me. You know that the way that you look at yourself is not the way that God looks at you. The way that you look at yourself is not, absolutely not, the way that God, look at, God looks at you. He, uh, you know, his, he created you. He's got an idea of who you are. All this stuff happens in our lives that clouds who we really are. And he's right now fighting to help you to know who you really are. That's what he wants. He wants you to know who you really are and how he sees you. So when we first got married, uh, maybe some of you have heard this before, but I could not say that I'm smart. I couldn't say the words, I'm intelligent, that I have anything in myself that, that I feel like I'm smart. And Sarah... And isn't marriage great? You get a mirror and, and honest, loving feedback of, of how you see yourself lots of times. And she's like, there's something wrong here because you cannot say that you're smart and you're a very intelligent person. And it was like this, like literally those words could not come out of my mouth because I did not believe them in my heart. I did not believe that I was intelligent. I'm smart! <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what freedom, what healing and freedom God can do. And no one would, you know, people would probably looking at me like, oh, he wouldn't think that. I didn't ever think, I never thought that I was funny. But I am hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, people, I thought people wouldn't like who I really am. So I try to be what I thought they wanted me to be. <laughs> That's not funny, but <laughs> but they wanted me, I, I would be who I thought they wanted me to be rather than just being myself. And I learned, God told me, these are areas that God has brought me into freedom. He's brought me into wholeness. He's brought me out of orphan type thinking. He, he told me, uh, people actually want you to be you. <laughs> Duh. But 
I just didn't, be- I just didn't believe that because I didn't think that who I was was good enough. I didn't think that who I really was was something that uh, people would want to really get to know. And so there's all these areas of in our life where we think like orphans and, and, and we um, need, God wants to take us into thinking like sons instead. So the first point is, don't be like an orphan. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> All right? Just don't do it. No. But it's recognizing. It's allowing God to, to pinpoint to us. Here's the areas where you're like an orphan and knowing's half the battle. How many of you guys watch G.I. Joe as kids? No. Yes. G.I. Joe? Knowing's half the battle, right? Yes, come on. <laughs> two of you understand my joke, so that's all right. I'm funny to two of you. <laughs> so the second piece is recognizing that God our Father is a perfect Father. That He is good. And that's already been a the theme here this morning. That God is good. Because then, then, we will, if we recognize that He's good, we will actually go to Him and run to Him as our good Father. If we have a perception or an understanding that He's not good, then why would we go there? Why would we go to that place? I'm just going to... Yeah. He's making my first point right there, so... <laughs> Segway. Yeah. Um, just kind of adding on to what Seth just said, um, in the Garden of Eden... Adam and Eve were there with God, and they had this perfect intimacy, this perfect understanding of perfect love that we've never known. But they had this really beautiful relationship with this perfect God, you know, who had given them this amazing garden. I, w- I would love to see what that garden looked like. But, but what happened is, is the serpent, who was Satan, came in and said... Um, can it really be that God said that you can, you know, eat of everything except this one tree? And Eve kind of rebutted with, well, actually, yes, he said. And he, she just restated God's word. You know, he said, you know, that we may eat of all the things in this garden, but this, lest we will die, this one tree. And then Satan came back with, oh, that's not true. That's a lie. Actually, if you do eat this, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, blah, blah, blah. And, and so what happens is, is Eve hears, you know, this statement that is a lie. And, you know, the first time she just repeated the truth. The second time, you know, she doubted. She doubted for a minute. And in that moment, there could have been questions inside. This is a different story from what God said. Could it be that God hasn't told us everything we need to know? Could it be that he's actually withholding something from us? Mm-hmm. Could it be that he's actually not perfectly good? Wow. So in a moment, you know, she's stating the truth. And in another moment of a second kind of layer of a lie, she's immediately questioning the goodness of God. Right. Is he perfectly good that he would withhold something like this fruit that could actually help us. This is what you're saying. You know, and I just wish for a moment that there would have just been a pause. Stop. Let's just ask the Father what he has to say. Come on, serpent, want to come with us and ask what God has to say about this, what you're saying here? Because that would have been relationship with the Father. But in that moment, they doubted in who he was, and then they acted on it. So they doubted. And then they did something which was completely against what God said. 
And so they believed a lie, you know, just the deception in general. But in that moment, could it have been that they were doubting the perfect goodness of God? You know, and that is just, you know, the first thing. that How to be a son versus an orphan. Number one, believe that God is good. Just believe that God is good, that he is perfectly good, that he's going to cover you, that he's going to run to you when you've, you know, completely done something horrible, that he's going to run to you and cover you with his robe and take you into the house and celebrate you. Wow. You know, that that's the goodness of God. And that's what it means to be a son or a daughter, is to recognize how good he is. Because that moment of doubt and then acting on it, for Adam and Eve, it produced complete, um, it wasn't complete lack of intimacy, but it shifted. You know, they were removed from the garden. They didn't have access to the, to God like they had. They didn't have that intimate, perfect love anymore. So what does doubting and God's goodness and then acting on it do? It separates us from God. And then we have dire consequences in our lives. So what Adam and Eve broke, Jesus fixed. Jesus knew the goodness of his Father. He came from the Father, and he brought the complete, perfect goodness of the Father to the world. And what what did he do? He went into the wilderness. One of the first things he did, he went into the wilderness, where here comes that Satan again. And Satan brings a lie. And what does Jesus do? What Eve did, he spoke the truth. Second time, second lie that the enemy brought. What did Jesus do? He spoke the truth again. That's where Eve faltered. But Jesus defeated it with truth and was victorious. Third time the enemy comes. Number, the three is the number of completeness. The enemy brings a lie. And Jesus completely defeats it with truth again. And he's completely free from that temptation. But I mean, you know, truth in who God is is what helps us to defeat the doubt that can shake us from being a son or a daughter. And what's so beautiful about Jesus was that it seemed that he stayed close to the Father. He would get away. He would get his alone time. You know, he would do that. But at the same time, and this is kind of the part that I really want to highlight today, number one was knowing that God is good, and this is number two. Jesus answered in John five nineteen. it says, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does, and in like manner. So how could he see what the Father was doing if he wasn't looking at his face? That's it. All he had to do, which is what he did, was look at the Father. He looked at him all the time, somehow, in his mind's eye. I don't know how he did it. But he, was, he knew he could see. It says he could see what the Father was doing all the time. And that's what he did. So the moments where, what do we need? We need to pay the taxes. Go and get a fish out of the sea and pluck a coin from the fish's mouth. Talk about provision. How did he know that? He was looking at the Father. We need a donkey so you can do the triumphal entry, entry thing. Where's the donkey? Just go. There'll, there'll be one there. And when you know, you're taking it, people will question you. But just say the Lord has need of it and it will be all good. You know, provision. Again, you know, what is the Father doing? Jesus could see it. He was looking at him all the time. 
So remembering what the Father and the Son had from eternity past, looking at John's Gospel, 1 John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That word with is the word prose in the Greek, and that word means to or toward. So it's this idea of being toward, face to face, you know, aiming for God. They were towards each other. And that face-to-face idea was like the highest possible imaginable happiness in kind of Israelite culture. And God taught Moses to bless the Israelites with Numbers 6, 24, and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious, gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. In First Chronicles... Um, is an exhortation. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. So may the Lord look at you, and may you seek his face always. Being face to face with the Lord, looking in his eyes. Um, When uh, the disciples were in the boat on the sea, and there was huge waves, and it was all crazy. This is in Matthew 14. Um, Jesus, it said, was walking across the sea. And this is the part that gets me. He was walking and it says, he would have kept going, except the disciples were completely freaked out. <laughs> like, what was Jesus doing? Like, I'm just going to keep going. Hi, guys. Like, what's up? You know, <laughs> that statement just puzzles me. I'm going to ask the Lord about that some more. But I was reading it and I was like, he was just going to walk right by him? That's what it says. All right. But but they were like, what? You know, and Peter um you know, kind of wanted, is it okay if I come out on the water? Jesus says yes. So Peter gets out on the water, and he's, he's walking on the water to Jesus. That's what it says. But what happens? He saw the wind, and he saw the waves, and they were boisterous, and he was afraid. And so he, ha- he was walking to Jesus, but he took his eyes off Jesus, and he started looking at the things going on around him, the wind and the waves, and he lost it. You know, it's that face-to-face connection that keeps us confident in who God is. It's that face-to-face connection that gives us everything we need to know. Everything we need is in looking at his face. We don't need to look at the wind. We don't need to look at the waves. All we need to do is keep our face on Jesus, look in his eyes. All the communication we need is in his eyes. We don't need anything else. Um, This last week, because I've been kind of practicing this a lot, Um, just because it's been on my mind and I've been thinking about it and I've been seeing God and I look at him and I just like ask him what he's doing and he shows me and it's been really cool. So this week, um, I came home on Tuesday. I was out of town Monday. I came home Tuesday. Seth was out of town. I was by myself at home and my driveway had just gotten dumped on. So is this whole winter. (laughs) Um, But our snowblower had broken and I had... Um, no way besides a shovel that wasn't working very well to try to remove things. And I have a big driveway. And then the snowplow had gone by. You know about that? How it gets all crazy at the end and you can hardly even get in your driveway. Um, that had happened. And I just thought, you know, maybe I'll just call some companies. I called like three companies and nobody was answering. And they were saying, we're not taking any new snow removal customers. Sorry. You know, and I was like, okay. And I just said, what are you doing, God? And I just looked at him. And I felt like he said, call your dad. 
Now, normally calling my dad is totally cool because he's really helpful, but he's already working on my taxes, <laughs> and all my files are at his house, and I had just heard about he had this really busy day, and he was super tired. And I thought, you know, if he just maybe came over and helped me, try to help me start the snowblower, then I could do the rest. So I, I didn't want to call him, and I kept thinking, I won't do that, I'll do something else, but then I just, you know, I had to go with what I felt like God was saying to do. So I called my dad. My mom answered. She explained to my dad what was going on. It just so happened at that moment that my dad is is getting snow off his roof with Sean Clinton, and um, my dad was saying the snowblower wouldn't be able to lift the heavy snow, and it's just it wouldn't work very well. And I kind of just resorted to I'm just going to try to call more companies. So he hung up the phone. I called 12 or 14 companies, could not find, you know, one that answered or had any kind of, there was one that was like, we are taking new snow removal customers. And I'm like, yeah. And then it says, sorry, this mailbox is full. (laughs) And I was like, darn it. Um, So I took things into my own hands. I went to the bottom of the driveway. I tried to shovel. It was really bad. Like I hardly did anything. And I was like, this shovel isn't working. And I felt really tired and, um, and then I decided to drive up and down on my driveway <laughs> a whole bunch, just a whole bunch, because I was worried that when Seth came home a few days later, my driveway would be, you know, worse or, you know, an ice block. And I was like, well, maybe if I mat it down, he can get in, you know. <laughs> he has a lower car than I do. Anyway, um, I went back, I parked my car in the driveway, went about my business. And like an hour later, Sean Clinton calls. I didn't say, God, what was that calling my dad thing about? I didn't have time to think about that. I just didn't worry about it. But Sean Clinton calls, and he's like, guess what? I'm removing snow right now with this tractor of my stepdad's, and I'm doing two driveways, and you're not far, and I can just come over and do yours. It'll only take me like 10 or 15 minutes, and then you don't have to worry about it. And I was like, what? Are you serious? And I don't really have in my head like how he was going to do that, like load up this tractor, like how big is it? I don't know. Anyway, so I just was like, are you sure? He's like, sure. And so I said, okay. So (laughs) an hour later, down my street, I hear the loudest engine noise that I, I hear on my street. I don't, it wasn't the bus. It wasn't the truck, the garbage, you know, dump, gar- the garbage truck. It was something bigger. And it was like the light, the brightest lights, like shining into my house, like a spaceship kind of like shining. And I was just like, what is going on? I go outside. I like, you know, open the garage door, you know, opens up. And there is the brightest. Oh, just, yeah, you can roll the video. This is what I see. (laughs) A John Deere tractor lifting huge amounts of snow. Yeah. And I was like, God, I would not have thought to call Sean Clinton. You know, I would not even thought of that. You know, I called my dad and Sean was over there. And you totally made this happen. And this is better than any snow removal business I've ever seen. Not only did he get that dump, which was like six inches, he got every layer that has been like driven on all winter off of my driveway. God is so cool. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, ah! I couldn't believe it. 
And he just like totally took care of it, you know? And it was beyond what I could have ever imagined. Like here I am at the bottom of my driveway, like trying to like get like these tiny amounts of snow in this massive sea of like impossibility, you know? And here God comes. And I just, that is who God is. You know, he is beautiful. And by looking into his eyes, we go from being an orphan to being a son because he doesn't just speak into the practical. He speaks into our identity. He speaks into what we're called to do. He speaks into our relationships. You know, when we have that face-to-face connection with him, we're connected to the, the one, the one, the beautiful one who has all the answers, who is all, who is the Alpha and Omega, we have that ability to have a heart connection, an eye-to-eye connection with him. Let us stand up. I feel like the Lord wants to bless us with an increase of that face-to-face, eye-to-eye connection. I feel like there's some who maybe have never really gotten an idea of what that is or how do you do that. How do you see his face? How do you look in his eyes? How do you have that? And some of us have doubted in his goodness because our circumstances have been really, really difficult. Let's just hold open our hands to him and offer him our difficult circumstances, the things that have made us doubt in his goodness. And if you want to, you can just say, I repent for doubting in your goodness, God. And if you would like to, you can also say, I repent for not looking at you. And I repent for looking to other things instead. And you can say, God, restore my perception of who you are as good. And you can also say, restore my ability to see you. And in Jesus, I'm just going to pray this. In Jesus' name, I come against the accuser who accuses God in our minds and in our hearts. And in Jesus' name, I come against the accuser who comes against us, who speaks lies about who we are. And in Jesus' name, I declare truth over us, the truth about who you are and the truth about who we are. And I declare a spirit of sonship and a spirit of adoption over each one of us today in the name of Jesus. That we would rise up as sons and daughters who have a heart connection with our Father. Who decide as a choice to look Him in the face. To see what He's saying. I'm just going to take just a few moments to just stand and look for Him. And the sight of your mind and your senses and your feelings and your thoughts. Look for him and let him communicate with you. Let him be found.
I just see the Father approving over each one of you. Honoring each one of you. Loving each one of you perfectly. Father, we invite you to speak to us. But I pray that where it's been a struggle to sense what you're doing, to see what you're doing, um, even just how sometimes our makeup is, is much more left brain and logical, Father. It's all right. You, you find a way to speak to us. You're breaking down walls to speak to us. And so we just say that we're willing to hear your voice. We're willing when you, when you just turn our chin towards you, Father. We will, we will look to you. Lord, I just pray that those times where we know we've heard you, those times where we know you've spoken to us, I pray that you'll remind us of those times, Father. And I just pray that moments in the day will be filled with us looking to you and asking you for help. They'll just be filled. Lord, break down the barriers of us hearing you and seeing you, being led by you, God. Just tear down those things that separate us, God. Thank you that you want to speak to us. You want us to look into your face, Father. Lord, where there's distractions, the wind and the waves and other things, Lord, we want to look above those and just look at you so we can hear from you. Yeah, just feeling like there's some um, people here who might feel like this connection with God is impossible. And I just say that God is the God of impossibility. Nothing is impossible for Him. And I declare possibility from the Father into impossibility in the name of Jesus. I declare hope in the place of doubt. I pray, God, that, that we would find our secret place with you where we can do this every day. Lord, where we spend time with you every day, looking at your face, reading your word, having a heart connection with you. That the barriers would wash away. That the excuses would just be blown away in the wind of your spirit. Lord, that we'd be established in you. That we'd be transformed by you in the secret place, God. Spending time alone with God every day. That's where we become a son or a daughter. Thank you, God. Amen. All right, well, we have a group of people who can pray for you if you want further prayer on this. If you're hungry for more of God, if you want to give your life to Jesus because his love is so good prayer team can help you with that. The prophetic team is over here. They're a group of trained people who hear God's voice and they tell you what they feel like he's saying. And other than that, have a great day. Get your kids out of kids church and have a donut on the way. Sign up for life groups.
Be blessed, everyone. You're all amazing.